What's going on, everyone? I'm your host, JT. Back to you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. On this episode, we're going to be discussing Eric Bieniemy leaving Kansas City to become the new offensive coordinator of the Washington Commanders. And he makes the Commanders really scary. And then there's a lot of rumors going around that the Chicago Bears could potentially trade away Justin Fields. I'm going to tell you guys why even the idea of trading away Justin Fields is ridiculous. And then Deion Sanders has a really tough season ahead of him his first year as the head coach of Colorado football. We're going to talk about that. But before we get into it, if you haven't already, make sure that you like the video, subscribe to the channel. We upload NFL and college football content daily. Make sure that you check out the JT Sports Podcast available on all podcasting platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts from, you can find the JT Sports Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us with a five-star review Share the podcast on all of your social media platforms with your friends, family, acquaintances. We will greatly appreciate it. Eric Bieniemy leaving Kansas City to become the offensive coordinator for the Washington Commanders has many people confused. Then I get your confusion. Why would Eric Bieniemy leave an organization that he just won two Super Bowls with? Leave the best quarterback in the NFL, along with one of the best head coaches in the league in Andy Reid, and go to one of the worst-ran franchises, not just in the NFL, but in sports. And I, I get all those things, but this is not a bad situation for Eric Bieniemy. As a matter of fact, this isn't a bad situation at all. This is a really fantastic opportunity for Eric Bieniemy. Washington has a pretty talented roster you have a really good group of wide receivers you guys already know what scary terry does you got curtis samuel Jahan dodson had a really good rookie season when he was able to stay on the field you got antonio gibson brian robinson at running back there is talent for eric Bieniemy to work with your only question is what are you going to do at quarterback are they going to roll with sam howell there was a report earlier at the start of this offseason that the plan was to roll with Sam Howell as QB1. Sam Howell, he had a pretty okay game against Dallas. It wasn't bad. It wasn't great, but it was solid. Sam Howell is a really talented quarterback. He has all of the physical tools to be a really productive starter in this league. Don't forget, Sam Howell, prior to his final season at UNC, he was projected to be one of the first quarterbacks coming off the board, along with Spencer Rattler. But Spencer Rattler and him, their seasons that year didn't go as planned. Spencer Rattler got benched, and Sam Howell was held back by just not having a great team around him at North Carolina. But when he was coming out of high school, he was a top 100 player. He is arguably the best quarterback in UNC football history. He kind of helped change the perception of North Carolina. Before Sam Howell got there, people just viewed North Carolina as a basketball school. And then when Sam Howell arrived, just from his freshman year, he helped change North Carolina from being perceived as just a basketball school to being viewed as somewhat of a respectable football school. I think Sam Howell with Eric Bieniemy. They could work together. They could cook. Now, if you want to go out there and you want to get you a Derek Carr or a Jimmy Garoppolo, that could work also. But I think Sam Howell has more upside 
than Derek Carr and Jimmy Garoppolo. And Eric Bieniemy, he's a fantastic offensive coordinator. And I think for Sam Howell, him being able to work with Eric Bieniemy is going to be able to help him greatly in his development. And you look at the rest of this division, Philadelphia, Dallas, the New York Giants, all these teams are pretty talented. The New York Giants, they're not as talented as Washington, in my opinion, or Dallas, but they're going to end up improving. And Brian Dable, we saw the job that he did in year one. He's probably going to do an even better job in year two with a more improved roster. But Washington, I think, with a few improvements on the offensive line, they could have one of the more underrated offenses, at least from a talent standpoint, in the NFL. People are making it seem like Eric Bieniemy is going to Washington and he's completely being set up to fail. Listen, it's it's a it's upsetting that Eric Bieniemy has to go through all of this to become an NFL head coach. But you got to understand something, Eric Bieniemy. There are some reports out there that he doesn't interview well. We already know he has a little bit of some history off the field, and plus that also is taking into account when it comes to deciding who ends up getting these head coaching jobs. A guy like D'Amico Ryans or Robert Sala, who doesn't have the kind of off-the-field incidents like Eric Bieniemy does, they're going to have a little bit of an easier time getting those head coaching jobs than Eric Bieniemy. Plus, you got to take into the account that some people don't know just how much of influence he had on Kansas City's offense and their play calling. Now, Eric Bieniemy. I don't have any questions about him as a play caller, although we don't know just how much he was responsible for the play calling in Kansas City. We don't know how much of the plays Andy Reid called and how much Airbnb contributed to the play calling. But there was a report out there that Airbnb found something that was eventually used to help Kansas City win the Super Bowl against Philadelphia. So you know those two wide-open red zone touchdowns that Kansas City had to Sky Moore and Kadarius Toney, the motion plays that they used to score those touchdowns? So apparently, Airbnb was able to find out that those two plays the Philadelphia Eagles struggled against when they played the Jacksonville Jaguars. He brought that to the staff's attention. I believe that Chad Henney said this, in the article that he did with the Athletic that Eric Bieniemy helped bring that to the staff's attention and eventually they game planned around it and eventually it was used against Philadelphia to help them win the Super Bowl. So Eric Bieniemy, this guy has a fantastic football mind. He is a great play caller in my opinion. He's been around Andy Reid. Doug Peterson was successful coming from this Andy Reid coaching tree. Matt Nagy, he wasn't all that great. But I think Eric Bieniemy. I don't question his football mind. Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, they always have high things to say. Or they always hold him in high regard when it comes to his football mind. Now, the thing is with Eric Bieniemy is his ability to get along with people. Now, some people have reportedly said that Eric Bieniemy kind of has a tendency to get into some arguments with his players. So prime example was LaShawn McCoy when he called out Eric Bieniemy um, for, you know, a couple of arguments that he had with players during his time there. Some people feel it was just LaShawn McCoy being a little salty, but also Patrick Mahomes and Eric Bieniemy exchanged some words recently 
during this court during the past regular season. And they also had some words during the halftime of the AFC Championship game when they were playing the Cincinnati Bengals the year that the Bengals lost to the Rams in the in the Super Bowl. So Airbnb, he's going to Washington to prove himself. And if Airbnb ends up being the coach that we all believe him to be or most of us believe him to be, Washington could potentially end up being Super Bowl contenders. And that may sound a little bit crazy and ludicrous to say, but Washington last year, honestly, was two or three games away from being the playoff team. And most of those games that they lost were due to the fact that they didn't have all that great quarterback play. And despite not receiving good quarterback play, there were still a handful of games that they still had the opportunity to win. Ron Rivera... I have a lot of questions about him as a head coach. I don't think he's all that good. But at the same time, the fact that he was able to get rid of the previous OC, Scott Turner, and bring in a guy like Eric Bieniemy, who's going to be able to innovate the offense, I think that's a sign that Ron Rivera is knowing what it takes now to build a championship team. He's kind of starting to shift his philosophy. And... Maybe Ron Rivera thought he was going to have a little bit more time. So maybe he was thinking that Scott Turner would end up improving over the next couple of years. But now with the team about to be sold to new ownership, Ron Rivera now has to have a certain amount of urgency. Because when the new owners come in there, they most likely are going to want to bring in their own guy. And unless Ron Rivera is able to have some success, he has to be able to win. And getting a guy like Eric Bieniemy, some people will consider this high risk, high reward. I kind of think it's low risk because I don't really have any questions about Eric, Eric Bieniemy as a play caller. It's not like he never called plays in Kansas City. He has called plays. It's just that he hasn't fully called plays for like the whole entire season or for like a whole entire game or something like that. I don't really know how they divvy up or decided the play calling responsibilities. But now in Washington, we know that he's going to have full control of the offense. And that whatever success the commanders have on offense is mainly going to be due to his play calling. The NFL offseason, as we all know, can be really wild at times. It's like a action movie there's always something going on you have the nfl draft you have nfl for agency and then you have my favorite part about it all the trade speculation because it seems like every offseason there's always a good amount of big name players who potentially could get traded and then they never end up going anywhere now this year there are rumors circulating around that the Chicago Bears potentially could trade away Justin Fields. Now, I don't know why these rumors are even out there, probably for views and clipbait, because I think there's no way in hell the Chicago Bears move on from Justin, Mr. Hemothy Fields. And even the idea of Chicago trading Justin Fields and replacing him with Bryce Young just sounds really stupid to me. And I get that Bryce Young, in a lot of people's eyes, is viewed as one of the greatest quarterback prospects coming out of the NFL draft. And I would agree with that. Even though he is undersized, I believe that he is an incredible player. 
But at the same time, though, he still has yet to take in the snap in the NFL. And it is dumb to assume that Bryce Young is better than Justin Fields. Because essentially, if you're trading Justin Fields and replacing him with Bryce Young, that's what you're saying. You're saying that right now, Bryce Young is a better quarterback than Justin Fields. And the people who are making the argument for why the Chicago Bears should consider it, they say, well, Justin Fields is inaccurate. Who was he throwing to? Darnell Mooney? He was hurt. And even when he was on the field, he wasn't even a true number one. And then you get Chase Claypool, and the dude just disappeared. And as a Steeler fan, thank you. We greatly appreciate it. If you watch the Chicago Bears, the only thing that made the Bears worth watching was Justin Fields. It was the Justin Timothy Fields show. Did you not see that touchdown that he saw that he had against the Philadelphia Eagles when he damn near got his neck broke? He broke out of the sack and then he ended up doing some crazy moves in the open field and it was just off to the races. When Justin Fields gets going, I promise to God, this dude is like, you ever seen that train movie Unstoppable with Denzel Washington in it? And they trying to stop the train that's driving by itself. I don't know who was driving it. Maybe it was the ghost or spirit or something. But something was driving that train by itself. And they couldn't stop it. That's Justin Fields. When Justin Fields gets going, this dude is really hard to stop. He's like a bull. You, 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 you guys see the bull? You guys... I don't know how many of you guys used to watch the little bullfighting things growing up as a child, but I used to be a big fan of bullfighting. So they'll fight these bulls, and then I also was a big fan of bull riding. And when the bull ended up throwing the dude off and ended up trying to attack somebody, it was doggone near unstoppable. It took like three, four people to get that thing back in the cage. Against the Detroit Lions, they, they basically sold all out on trying to stop Justin Fields. This dude is one of the most unstoppable players in the league when he gets going. But the problem is, Chicago hasn't done a great job at surrounding him with the pieces that he needs to take that next step. How can you knock a guy for not being accurate when he's not even throwing to any wide receivers who most of us even know? How many of you guys knew that Nikhil Harry played for the Chicago Bears? Unless you're a Chicago Bears fan, most of you guys probably thought that this dude was out of the league. I mean, if people are going to knock Justin Fields for his accuracy, can we at least be fair and say that he completed 60% of his passes throwing to Chase Claypool, Darnell Mooney? Like, come on, man. Meanwhile, we got Jalen Hurts throwing to A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. Hell, even Lamar Jackson, even though he ain't have no receivers, at least he has Mark Andrews. People talking about he got Cole Komet. Cole Komet didn't really come on until like late in the season. Justin Fields needs help. And for the Chicago Bears, trading away Justin Fields would be them going back to stage one. Because then you're once again putting yourself in a situation where you have to design the offense around a different quarterback. And earlier this season... Luke Getze, the Chicago Bears offensive coordinator, he got a lot of backlash earlier this season from not just Bears fans, but people in the national media in general for struggling to find out a way to build an offense tailored around Justin Fields' strengths. Now, it took a while, but eventually they got things going. So eventually, you trade Justin Fields, you got to do the same thing over again. 
And like I said, even though we all believe that Bryce Young is going to be successful, there's no guarantee. Plus, the dude is injury prone. prone. And you can say, well, JT, Justin Fields has missed time with injuries. Cool. But who do you think is going to be more prone to injury? A guy who's built like wet sandpaper or a guy who's 6'4", 200 and something pounds and built like a running back at quarterback? I mean, come on. For the Chicago Bears, trading Justin Fields just really wouldn't make a lot of sense in the grand, in the grand scheme of things. Yes, you probably could say, well, JT, we the number one overall pick. We take Bryce Young and we trade Justin Fields for more picks than... Okay, but you're tra- you're you would end up putting all your faith in somebody who has yet to take in a single NFL snap and plus somebody who we have concerns about their ability to stay healthy. You could trade that number one overall pick and get so many different assets and plus still keep Justin Fields. You already have your franchise quarterback. I don't really think. There should be any questions about if Justin Fields is or is not the guy. And for the people who are saying, well, Justin Fields is only going to be a mid-average quarterback, I I disagree with that. Did you not watch the Chicago Bears this season? The only reason why they had the opportunity to win some of the games that they did was because of Justin Fields. The dude literally was the team at times. Outside of Justin Fields, Khalil Herbert, and David Montgomery, that was it. For the Chicago Bears, really the main way the Chicago Bears were moving the football was by running the football. You can say, well, JT's not accurate. I mean, his receivers aren't really doing them no favors. And even when Darnell Mooney was healthy, he wasn't even all that great. And I would know because I had him on my fantasy football squad. I believed the hype. I thought that Darnell Mooney was going to break out this year and he ain't really do anything. And yeah, I understand that Justin Fields, he ain't perfect. But, I mean, you got to give some man the help. You got to give Justin Fields some assistant. Give Justin Fields some customer service. It's not that hard to make a couple of phone calls, get DeAndre Hopkins in there, spend a little money in free agency to go ahead and get a true number two receiver. It doesn't take that much to get a couple of quality offensive linemen in there. Why is it that bad franchises have a hard time understanding that to win in the league, you have to build around your quarterback. There's no point of drafting a quarterback and only letting him develop for one or two years and then replacing him with another quarterback. What the, What sense does that make? That makes no sense. Even the idea of thinking about trading Justin Timothy Fields is stupid. When you have a franchise guy, you commit to him. Justin Fields at this point has proven that he's not a bust. I don't know what people expect guys like Justin Fields who go to these sorry situations to do. You're you're expecting this man to turn glitter to gold. And people talking about something with Joe Burrow, bruh. Joe Burrow, before he had Jamar Chase, despite the fact that he had a terrible offensive line, he still had T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. Justin Fields doesn't have a T. Higgins or Tyler Boyd. He also doesn't have an offensive-minded head coach. He has a defensive-minded head coach and Matt Eberflus. The fact that we are even comparing or even thought of mentioning Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow situations. No, Justin Fields needs some help. Justin Fields is not the problem in Chicago. Chicago. 
Bears fans know this. People in the national media seem to not. Are they watching the games? I, I promise you, a lot of these people who are saying that the Bears need to trade Justin Fields because he isn't going to be all that great, haven't watched too many Bears games. If you have watched a couple of Bears games, you would know that Justin Fields probably was the sole reason for why Chicago even had the opportunity to win the amount of games that they did. Unbelievable that we are even discussing the possibility of Justin Sir Timothy Fields being traded. Coach Prime and Colorado have been making a lot of moves since Dion first got hired to Boulder. Number one transfer portal class. Flip five-star cornerback Cormani McLean from Miami. But Deion Sanders has a really tough season ahead of him his first year as the head man in Colorado. I mean, their first game of the year, they're playing TCU. The team that was just in the national championship game. Then you got to play Matt Rule in Nebraska. Then you got to play your rival Colorado State, which probably is the only game that we can look at on this schedule and say, yeah, without a doubt, Colorado's going to win that game. And then after that, you enter conference play. You got to play Oregon on the road at Autzen, one of the hardest places to win that in college football. Then you got USC, Arizona State with Kenny Dillingham, Stanford. They're going to be a little bit down. It's going to take a while for that thing to get going. But I mean, this is a really tough schedule that Deion Sanders has going into his first year as the head coach of Colorado football. Then after their bye week, you got to play UCLA, Oregon State, Arizona, Washington State, Utah. Deion Sanders is walking into a very tough first year. This isn't going to be no cakewalk. And I'm pretty sure he wouldn't prefer it to be any other way. He wants to be challenged. He, his players, they're going to be up for the task. They should at least be bowl, bowl eligible. I'm not questioning that. I'm just saying, doggone it. Like, well, Dion, we're going to see just how good of a coach you are right away. Game one, you're playing TCU. You're going against one of the best coaches in college football, Sonny Dykes, who was the coach of the year. Then you got to face off against another coach in a new place. Matt Rule, Matt Rule, also somebody who has had a lot of momentum this offseason since he got hired up there in the cornfields. You bring in Jeff Sims from the transfer portal. You bring in a couple of other big names such as Arik Gilbert. Nebraska is going to be a really tough outing this year in the Big Ten West. And then Oregon, we pretty much view them as a perennial college football playoff contender this year with Bo Nix coming back. USC, same thing with them. Caleb Williams won the Heisman. Lincoln Riley, best offensive mind in the sport. And you look at Deion Sanders' roster, they have a top 25 roster based on talent when you include their transfer portal class and their recruiting class. But some of these teams that they're going to be facing off against, such as USC, Oregon, they have some of the best rosters in college football, Oregon State, they're coming off one of their best seasons in program history. And then not just that, but they got better at quarterback with DJ Uyungle transfer from Clemson to there. And if they would have had better quarterback play this season, they probably would have ended up upsetting USC. 
But their quarterback at the time, Chance Nolan, had threw four interceptions. He pretty much gifted the game away. Oregon State, they're a team who could end up being a sleeper college football playoff contender. The Pac-12 is going to be a really tough conference this year. We talk about how tough the Big 12 was during the 2022 college football, but the Pac-12 has the potential to be the best conference or the second best conference in the sport right behind the SEC. And yeah, just as good as the Big 10. The Big 10, we don't know how good Ohio State is going to be. And the Big 10 doesn't really have a lot of depth. Pac-12 football this year, not, not only do you have teams such as Oregon, USC, and Utah who are going to be in the conversation for making it into the college football playoffs, but you also have programs on the rise such as Oregon State, UCLA, even Arizona could end up popping off. This is going to be a really challenging first year for Coach Prime and Boulder. Now, I'm not saying that he's going to end up not being able to be successful. I believe in Coach Prime. I believe that they're going to be able to win at least six games. But this season, this schedule, really difficult. You look at Shadur Sanders, without a doubt, he's probably one of the best quarterbacks in this conference. I don't know where you would rank him. I probably would rank him third behind Michael Penix. You have Bo Nix, Caleb Williams ahead of him, but that's really about it. So Shadur, what, not the third, but fourth best quarterback in this conference. You got Travis Hunter. You got Kormani McClain. That's going to be one of the best quarterback duos in this league. And then not just that, but the Pac-12 didn't really have a lot of great defense. As a matter of fact, the best defensive team in this conference was Oregon State. So for Colorado, it's not like this is just a completely tough schedule and they don't have a shot. But this conference this year, the Pac-12, a large reason why they've had a hard time getting teams into the playoffs is because late in the season, they end up taking losses to teams that you never would expect them to lose to. Like Utah beating Oregon twice in the fashion that they did. Nobody would have expected that. I'm not talking about this past season. I'm talking about the previous season when they had Mario Cristobal before he left for South Beach. Many people thought that Oregon, they were going to end up making it because they had beat Ohio State and all they had to do was win out and then they played Utah and they got clobbered twice. This is a really difficult conference and what's even more difficult is being able to win late in the year when you end up getting a lot of hype. Normally, teams in this conference that end up struggling are the teams that end up being highly ranked. They get into that top 10, top 5 conversation, and all they have to do is win out and they control their own destiny, and they end up slipping up down the stretch. Coach Prime, Colorado, they got a really difficult first season coming up under Deion Sanders in his first season as their head coach. Are they going to be able to get up for it? You guys let me know how you guys feel about Deion Sanders. What are you expecting out of Colorado football year one under Coach Prime? Let me know down in the comment section down below. And I appreciate you guys for listening to this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. Remember that you can listen to the JT Sports Podcast on all podcasting platforms, wherever you get your podcast from. 
Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, the JT Sports Podcast is available. If you enjoyed this episode, leave a five-star review. Greatly would appreciate it. Share this episode with your friends, family members, and acquaintances. And I will see you guys shortly with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast.